and try to make an effort to make the new year even better, I'm going to take this very beginning show and take a few minutes to give you some thoughts and some things I've written down over time on why organic is really better for you, your children, and our planet. Being a conscious eater means, of course, that you care not only about your own health and that of your family, but also about the impact of your food choices on others, and that includes, of course, the whole planet indirectly. Dozens of different third-party certifications are used on food products. So depending on your budget and the things you care most about supporting, certain ones may be worth the extra cost. The U.S. Department of Agriculture, the USDA, has a label that is arguably the most rigorous backed certification on the market. Even that's not perfect, but it does check a lot of the boxes. According to the USDA, the practices that distinguish organic agriculture includes maintaining or enhancing soil and water quality, conserving our wetlands and woodlands, wildlife, and avoiding use of synthetic fertilizers, sewage sludge, irradiation, and genetic engineering. Organic processes contribute to the soil, crop and livestock nutrition, pest and weed management attainment of production goals, and conservation of biological diversity. Among the approach of organic practices, managing pests and weeds is a major difference between conventional and organic production methods. So pesticides, insecticides, and herbicides are top-of-mind consideration in deciding between the two. Conventional industrial agriculture is characterized by maximizing the yield of the crops above all else doing so through energy-intensive farming practices and synthetic chemicals as fertilizers and herbicides, pesticides, at the expense of surrounding environments. By contrast, rather than using chemicals with abandon, organic farmers first work to prevent and avoid the pests, the insects, and the weeds. Then, if needed, suppress them through one of a number of approved but safe management methods. As a general rule, substances that are naturally derived are allowed, whereas synthetic substances are basically prohibited. Made by humans automatically makes something bad a lot of the times. But it's worth noting that conventional agriculture has at its disposal at least 900, and that's an understatement, approved synthetic pesticides, whereas organic agriculture has uh, right now only about 25 or so. All told, organic farms host more biodiversity, bees, butterflies, birds, ATC, release far fewer greenhouse gases into the air, and enhance the quality of the soil and the water around them. Yields vary, but can certainly be less than non-organic in certain cases. This can lead to the need for more farmland to grow the same amount of food, which may be a potential drawback in some ways. But as of late in current studies, that's just not true anymore. The Rodale Farms, which have worked with the University of Cambridge for now over 30 years, for years it was true. The initial yields from the conventional were higher than those from the organic. But after everything was established, it took took several years. At current standards, the organic is actually producing better, safer, more edible, uh, more usable, 
uh, agriculture per acre than the conventional synthetic part of the farm is. With all this in mind, organically grown produce means significantly less exposure to pesticides and therefore far lower risk for the long-term reproductive, cognitive, and in many cases cancer-related health problems that have been tied for many years now to chemicals. Even though that's of concern to all of us as consumers, the health problems associated with certain toxic agrochemicals are especially concerning for farm workers whose exposure is higher and more direct than that of the normal consumer, often through skin contact or breathing the chemicals rather than just by ingesting the food with the chemical residues in them. The same goes for rural communities that may be exposed because of pesticide drift, which occurs when chemicals get carried through the air after being sprayed on any given plot. This issue disproportionately affects lower-income communities and communities of color that often lack the political capital to earn the environmental justice protections they rightfully deserve. Economic development, boosting rural communities, and help to lift farmers living on the margins out of poverty may be another benefit of supporting organic practices. Some research suggests that because farmers earn a premium on organically grown food, it provides higher incomes to help run small or medium-sized family farms. By one estimate, organic farmers earn about 35% more than conventional farmers, at least those in our country, in North America, this part of the world, North America, to somewhat in Europe and India. That said, Actual wages and labor conditions for farm workers are by no means necessarily any better under organic standards and the overall picture. Overall, the risk of human health in the general farm situation is really not, not that, that dangerous from pesticides. However, that being said, certain pesticides are more hazardous than others. The type of chemicals that appear to be the most toxic are called organophosphates. A 2016 investigation by the EPA led to a conclusion that one such chemical, chlorpyrifos, which is commonly used on more than 50 different crops, from broccoli to cauliflower to apples and oranges, and has been linked directly to acute illness among farm workers and rural residents exposed to it and to even more severe long-term problems for babies and children, among them being lower IQ, lower birth weight, and developmental delays. So it's been shown basically to be unsafe and should actually be banned. And incidentally, they were banned for a while, but the previous administration rejected the ban. So it's back in, in, in the system again. It remains to be seen what happens policy-wise, but regardless, we'll all want to steer clear of those particular pesticides. Thankfully, use of chemicals has already declined, so their prevalence is not quite as high as it once was, and we're going to, this, this particular administration is going to make every effort to eliminate the use of those organophosphates that we know are truly unsafe, especially for our children, but even for us and the environment. Let's hope they get it done. Let me throw a little thing in here that I've worked on for over, well, two decades almost, but definitely over a decade. The most widely used herbicide in conventional agriculture is called, of course, glyphosate. Roundup, folks. 
In 2015, it was dubbed a probable human carcinogen by the International Agency on Cancer Research. More recently, in a very public court case against Monsanto, which used to own it, it's now owned by Bayer, a giant chemical company that produces herbicides containing glyphosate, Roundup, and Ranger Pro are the trade names. A San Francisco groundskeeper won a $300 million suit by demonstrating without a doubt that exposure to these chemicals from spraying them in his job significantly contributed to his life-threatening non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. When it comes to exposure through food, the people at highest risk are women and men trying to conceive, pregnant women and children. A few studies suggest some compromised fertility and in utero or early childhood exposure to organophosphates is associated with damage to the brain and nervous system, as well as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. There is still a lot we don't know about pesticides and health. This is especially true of the long-term cumulative effects of exposure to residues in food, even if they're present at low levels at any given time. Plus, questions abound from many environmental groups and farm workers, advocacy groups, about the synergistic effects of pesticides used together and how that could affect health risk. Given the historical track record in the United States of finding out only years later that things long allowed in the food supply are bad for us, think DDT, I argue for the better safe than sorry approach while keeping a level head you have to consider this stuff. This is part of my big push. This is what started this little portion of Organic Matters. Organic is definitely better if you can afford it. And then I have to throw this in for my can you afford it. Yes, it is more expensive, but you do get more nutritional value. You do protect your children. You probably, in the long, long run, and we don't know this for sure, those raised on healthier organic systems rather than conventional, will live longer and have overall less medical health problems than those children that are unfortunately not able to uh, be raised that way. And I also want to bring up here one more time that, that not is it just our immediate health to us, but what are we doing to the world around us? And there's some of the people that just said, well, throw up their hands and give up. There's going to be 8 billion people. Why do we have a choice to do? Folks, that fact makes it more imperative than, than ever that we look into this now. We always have a tendency in the United States, but really worldwide, to, to approach the problem after it's already a big problem. We know it's here. It's very similar to me to how we treat the climate change that we know is coming and is here. We wait till it's too late and then have to do a lot of extra work that cost a lot of extra money because we did not heed our own warnings soon enough. And that's the way we've got to look at organic food growing. That's where we've got to look at, hey, what are we going to do for the climate? Not today. The, the politicians today care two years, four years, or six years, depending on when their next uh, time to run for office is. They're not looking down the road a decade or two decades, at least not most of them, to what, what are the advantages of building EV cars? What are the advantages of really, really taking care of our soil because building the soil takes many, many more years than just treating it properly. What are the advantages of getting fossil fuels off of the train that drives 
all of our economy in some ways. We can do it. We have the knowledge and we do it and we have the science to do it. It's time to cut out the pipelines and not support them, which does nothing but instigate more fossil fuels. Is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to have a stretch sometimes when things are uncomfortable? Yes. But for our generations beyond us and their generations beyond them, as far as we know right now, there is no other solution. So anyway, that's sort of my, maybe a little hefty, sorry about that. But this is way we need to start out the year 2022. We have advantages this year we didn't have two years ago. We've got some people on our team here, folks. If we can just get the laws passed that make it better for all of us. As I always say, we've only got one aquarium to live in. We need to learn to take better care of it. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matter.